you have your Bibles, would you open them, please, to the book of Psalm, chapter 51. And you will need your Bibles tonight. We're going to kind of go verse by verse through some of this and hope you'll underline some things and take some notes. I've got uh, my mother's Bible. Uh, My brother gave it to me at her funeral. And so I turned to this chapter in her Bible and she had written Grandma's favorite chapter, her mom's favorite chapter. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, so here we are, Psalm chapter number 51. You have to kind of hang with me. I'm not going to refer to the crosses. Uh, I have a couple illustrations, but you'll just kind of have to hang with me tonight. Uh, Let's read one verse and we'll just kind of go from there. Uh, here, Here we are, Psalm chapter 51 and verse number one. And it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. And maybe in the introduction of the psalm, uh, your Bible says a psalm of David. Maybe it says the penitence psalm or repentance or something. I want to call this message tonight, How to Get Thoroughly Right with the Lord. Uh, uh, The old evangelist years ago would have a big sign out out in front of their tent revivals. It would just say, get right with God. Just, Just great big words there. So how do you do that? When you feel like your heart is cold or you've strayed and maybe you've messed some things up in your life, what are the steps to get back? I could call this the correct way to climb out of sin or guilt. I thought about calling it this, a Baptist's confession. How do you like that one? Or this one, recouping yourself out of the snare of the devil. It's all the same thing. So let's have a prayer and we'll just jump into this. Father, would you help us tonight? These are our core people. These are leaders. These are people that love you. These are the faithful ones. So I pray that you would help speak to them. Feed us. This is not milk. This is meat tonight. These are for people that uh, have made a commitment to you. They've been saved. They want to serve you. And I pray that you'd help this to be a a warning for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a lady in our church years ago who had just a, what you would call minor surgery. Uh, Now, how do you define that? Major surgery is what I have. Minor surgery is what someone else has. And and so some people... uh, Put it that way. So she was an outpatient. She was supposed to, her surgery was going to last an hour. She would go home. So she went home and uh, just her fever rose and rose and rose. And she was sore and more and more sore. And, and the doctor said she'd be fine. Several days passed, close to a week. So she got uh, high fever and uh, chills and just, just, just deathly sick. Went back to the doctor. They couldn't figure it out. And uh, it was surgery here in town. So they did what's called exploratory surgery. Uh, That's when the doctor doesn't know what happened. And he's opening them up to look and say, I wonder what's going on. Uh, Never have exploratory surgery. Uh, That's uh, it's uh, it's real uh, dangerous. And and so here they are. They, They open that lady back up. There it was. Seven sponges they forgot and left inside of her. You know, that's why doctors always count. Okay, how many, okay where's our scalpel? Anybody seen the scissors? 
Uh, anybody seen the vacuum cleaner? Uh, what's that left? Uh, you know, the dice, maybe, maybe the note, uh, loaf of bread, head of lettuce, you know, you know, drop my grocery list inside. But, but uh, they, had, they had forgot and left seven sponges inside of that woman. So when they stitched her back up, she could not heal. She couldn't heal. They did their job, but they left something in there that was not meant to be there. And it was causing infection, pain, and really leading to her death. And so sometimes what happens is sin somehow gets inside of us and it starts to cause an infection. No one sees it. And sometimes we don't even know it's there. But soon some symptoms start coming in our life and causing discomfort, causing pain, causing spiritual fever. And we're just wondering, why is all this happening? And sometimes, like the ladies just sang, sometimes he calms the, the servant, sometimes he calms the storm. But here's a different angle. Sometimes we cause the storm. And it's our sin. Someone said, what dirt is to the body, sin is to the soul. Society in our lifetime has renamed every sin. There's no such thing as sin anymore. They've just renamed it all. But God still calls it sin. Uh, society tells us to excuse it or blame others. When in this chapter we find out the psalmist takes responsibility. Sin takes your joy. David says in this psalm, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So the greatest thing you need is strength just to go through life. And sin takes that strength away from us. What else? It begins the sowing reaping process. Anytime we willfully sin, it plants some seeds. And as we all know, we adults, the crops do come up. Well, I'll, uh, I, 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 I just sowing my wild oats, I know. But the crop of oats, it always comes up. What does sin do? It brings the chastening hand of God. In Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, he says, despise not the chastening. Uh, what's that mean? When we sin, our heavenly father says, I'm going to correct you. And pretty soon, the loving hand comes down. And we know when we're being spanked. Sometimes he spanks physically, sometimes financially, sometimes emotionally, sometimes publicly, sometimes privately. But it's a sign that we're saved. If you can sin and get away with it and never get caught and never sense your heavenly fathers dealing with you or convicting you, you've never been saved. It's just a sign. He says, he said, we don't enjoy the spankings, but the good thing is, you know, you're saved. Heard a teenager one time. He said, I can't get away with anything. I always get caught. I said, good sign. A good sign that you're probably saved. Amen. What does sin do? Uh, it brings a possible addiction process. Some sins are more addicting than others. It stops our prayers from being answered. He, says, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not and cannot hear me. It, it, it is passed on to our children. Uh, the Bible says in Exodus 20, the iniquities of the fathers are passed down. Iniquities means stubbornnesses or ways or passed down to the third and fourth generation. So it doesn't just affect us. It affects our future family members. It affects our soul when in power. 
Uh, in Hebrews, it says, because thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, uh, the oil of gladness has anointed thee above thy fellows. So no soul winning power when we have known sin in our life. Sometimes it's outward sin. Sometimes it's inward. Some people see it. Sometimes no one sees it but God. Sometimes it's mental sin. Sometimes it's hidden sin. It's covered sin. It's justified sin. I have a right to do this. It does shorten our life. God says the wicked will not live out half their days. Uh, it, says, it, it says it stops our prosperity. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. That's spiritually. That's emotionally. That's financially. It affects everything. And it makes us feel dirty. I remember when I was a kid, we had this ditch behind our house. And, and I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, it was true there was a ditch. I saw it. But my grandmother said, that's a sewer ditch. I did not know Louisiana had open sewers like India in some of these places. Maybe it was a drainage ditch, but she said, that's a sewer ditch. And it rained so much in Louisiana, it would always be full of water. I did see rats in it. I know that. And she said, don't you jump over that sewer ditch. Well, I was training for the Olympics. I must have been third or fourth grade. And I was up working on my long jumps. And so when she wasn't looking, what, hey, hey, what grandma don't know doesn't hurt her. What happened to your grandmother? She got ran over by some reindeer or something. Anyway, but yeah, so uh, this was her favorite chapter just right before she died. And, and so, no, no, but, but I remember running and I leaped over that sewer ditch and I said, grandma doesn't know anything. And I turned around, leaped over it again. Later on that day, I leaped over it and I made it. But then I started doing this and I fell in that sewer ditch over my head. I've never been more humbled in my life. I ran inside and crying and thinking I got sewer all over me. You know what I wanted to do right away? Little boys don't like this. I wanted a bath. I wanted a bath immediately. I didn't want to wait till Saturday. I didn't want to wait till everyone's... Man, I want to paint. I want to get this off of me. And all throughout this chapter, he says, wash me, cleanse me. I feel dirty. Sin dirties our mind. It dirties our conversation. It dirties our lifestyle. And a real Christian wants to get clean. I'll say this too as we get, get into the verses. It always affects the innocent. Innocent people always get hurt. Adam and Eve, she took the fruit. All she wanted was to taste that fruit. And mankind has fallen into sin. It was Achan. He just wanted to steal some Babylonian garments. 36 innocent men died. And then we'll talk about David in just a moment. He took the bait. David left, left the safety. Some of the men in the church have had the privilege of going marlin fishing in Cabo. We've taken several trips. You don't marlin fish, you marlin hunt. If the sea is calm, they've got that dorsal fin and big tail. You will see two points out of the ocean just cruising. So it's, there's a marlin. In Spanish, the captain always says, Marlene. I didn't know it was a female. He knew her name. You know, Marlene. You can see those points. You can tell which way he's facing. 
So the boat would always pull around and they would take a live fish. They would hook a live fish. The bait was bigger than most of the fish I've caught. They would bait that and just throw it in front of that marlin and just pull it. Waiting for him to take the bait. Just like Satan does us. That sin. He's just waiting for us to take the bait. See, you may not realize this, but Satan hates our city. He would love for everyone in Napa Valley to burn in hell forever. English, Spanish, and any other language. He hates the poor. He hates the rich. He hates the homeless. He hates the addicts. He hates every child, every teenager, every young couple, every veteran Christian. And he especially hates those who could reach them. And that's you. And so you're a big catch for Satan himself. And David was a big catch. He's called the man after God's own heart. He had penned some psalms by now. He was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. When Jesus did his miracles, they said, Thou son of David, come heal us. David's name is attached to Jesus. His name's attached to Bethlehem. His name is attached to Jerusalem, the city of David. But one day, you know the story. He did something that didn't look evil at all. He sat out one battle. Didn't look evil. Hey, boss, we fought lots of battles. Well, I'm whipped. You guys do the battle. I'm just taking the day off today. I'm whipped. Nothing's wrong with the day off. But David was not where he was supposed to be. Wonder how many times Christians get in trouble because they're just not where they are supposed to be at church, with their family, on their knees, in the Bible, out soul winning, serving. Just he wasn't where he was supposed to be. You know the story. He couldn't sleep. Why? Because he didn't work. Hard workers rarely have problems with insomnia. I just can't sleep. Heard about one guy, he said, I just can't sleep. Went to the doctor. He said, I sleep pretty good in the morning, sleep pretty good at night, but I toss and turn all afternoon. <laughs> David couldn't sleep. He didn't go to battle. His men are out there fighting. David's at home. He goes up on the roof. He's, he's just idle. He's looking around and he sees a woman bathing. Not going to go into the story. He's already got eight wives. He's got, he's got tons of kids. And he looks over there and he wants her. Pornography never satisfies a man. A man's walk with God cuts down those evil desires. Amen. He's up on the roof. He wants her. He inquires who she is, wants to just talk, uh, wants to talk a little. And soon it's adultery. Soon a child is born. Soon a child passes. David covers it up, tries to get her husband drunk to make it look like her child. Just tries to cover it up, never deals and then this chapter comes. This chapter comes. You say, well, pastor, uh, we're talking about sin. I'll just, I'll just name some. Lying. Cheating. By the way, it doesn't take but one sin to short circuit someone's whole life. You don't have to be a mass murderer. One sin unplugs the power. It's over. One sin, and Jesus steps back and says, when you're done, let me know, and then we can walk and talk together, and we can fellowship, you can have your joy back. Uh, 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 but I don't get around sin. It just takes one. 
We compare sin. Well, my sin is not near as bad as their sin. And we have this, uh, this two by four in our eye and we're examining the little speck in someone else's eye. When someone gets right with the Lord, they're not bringing up anybody else's sins but theirs. Whether it's lying, cheating, dirty jokes, cussing, half-truths, sneaking around, deceiving parents, critical spirit, gossip. Gossip is passing on a story you did not see. Wonder how many of us have done that. Well, someone told me this, and did they see it? Well, I don't know. Well, someone said, who's the someone? Well, someone posted, and where someone says, there's great ways to get the news out. Telephone, telegraph, telebaptist. <laughs> Heard about one guy, and he was so excited telling this juicy story to someone, and they said, tell me more. He said, I've already told you more than I heard. Not loving another Christian and letting it be known. Somewhere in James 4.11 it says, Brethren, speak not evil one of another brethren. When you're bashing another Christian, you're bas bashing Christ. Saul, Saul, why hast thou? Uh, why are you persecuting me? Wait a minute, he wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting Christians. But when he did that, he was persecuting Christ. Given your opinion when no one asks. Rebellion. Not doing the will of God that he's called you to do. Not tithing, lust, pornography. Unfaithfulness to church when a person could come. Making excuses. Talking behind someone's back. Not getting along with someone and telling other people, but not having the courage to go to that brother or sister and try to resolve it with them. That's a sin. That's Matthew 18. Uh, it says, if thy, uh, if thy brother offend you, go to him alone and you talk with them about it. See, drugs are sin and, and uh, uh, slavery is wicked and, and prostitution's a sin. But what about going behind another Christian's back and telling people what you think about them? That's wicked and that's a sin. Stealing, taking God's name in vain. Watching dirty television shows, adultery, fornication, living together before you're married, alcohol, illegal drugs, prayerlessness, no Bible, disrespecting God's word at church, wicked worldly music, texting when parents say you should not be texting a certain person, sneaking around, going on uh, sites, talking to people you know you shouldn't talk to. It's a sin. Hypocrisy, laziness, back-talking parents, murmuring, complaining, losing your temper, no Bible, no prayer. It's a lot of ways to sin. Notice, please, in Psalm 51, how does David get right? How does he get right? Notice just some of these verses here. There's three desires that David has. Here they are. Number one, cleanse me. That's his first desire. Notice what he says, Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me. Mercy is this. God withholding judgment we deserve. If you're ever, you're ever around me much, you'll hear me say, Lord, have mercy. And I really mean it. Lord, have mercy. I still remember we were uh, getting ready to go to camp years ago. And it looked like we were taking 50 kids that night, like 49 others signed up. We went from 50 to 99. 
I was so stressed. I was going to be going on the trip and I was trying to figure out, well, how are we going to get people there? And just all these things. I drove home. We lived at Stone House at that time and didn't have my seatbelt on. I was exceeding the speed limit and a police car pulled me over. Never forget it. By the way, God's mercy. I've been here 38, almost 38 years. I've never had a ticket. That's a miracle if you've ever ridden with me. I pulled up, policeman's got his light on, and a note, you're supposed to stay in your car. I didn't know that at that time. I jumped out of my car, and I walked up to his car. You don't, you don't do that. And I walked up, and I said, and I said I'm sorry. He said, he said uh, all right, stand back. Stand. I, I said, look, how would you like to have 99 people going to camp? I don't know how we're going to do it tomorrow. And I know I didn't have my seatbelt on, and I know I was speeding. He just kind of looked at me. He says, Pastor, get back in the car. Just take it easy. <laughs> Guess what I wanted? I wanted mercy. I didn't want a ticket. I deserve one, Brother Ron. <laughs> and we need to spread a little gospel. I mean, if something happens, everyone needs to know, right? So Brother Marquez is, uh, uh, him and Joe Link, he's, he's, he's getting ready to come to the married couple's getaway and he does a California stop. That means you slow down at the stop sign. You, you never come to a complete stop. And so he did a California stop. Play, uh, uh, CHP pulled him over and said, hey, what's going on? Brother Ron, thinking, you know, he's probably praying to the Holy Spirit. Give me wisdom. <laughs> Give me wisdom. He said, uh, uh, he, he said, where are you heading? He said, where, um, I'm headed to marriage counseling. <laughs> and the officer said, all right, just kind of slow down. Go ahead and go. <laughs> Write that down. That's the answer next time you get pulled over. So David here says, have mercy. Look at this. Upon me. In this chapter, you will see two people repeated. Him and David. See, getting right has nothing to do with everybody else. It's you and God. He didn't point at anybody else. Well, here's the reason I am this way. Or if they, no, no, He had his eyes off of other people. You will never get thoroughly right as you blame other people for your misery. Amen. Never. Notice, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. I know you love me. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Here's what the word means. Trans, that means cross, aggression, trans, cross. It means cross a line. Cross a line. Our society with the transgenders, the devils encourage people to cross some lines. David says, I know you've got some rules, Lord, and I've crossed some lines, I've... I've taken some steps I never should have. Forgive. Have mercy. My transgression. I crossed some lines. You know, David's getting clean here. He's coming clean, if you will. Then, notice verse 2. Wash me through... Hard, hard word to pronounce. Throughly. From mine iniquity. First time he says my transgressions. Now he says iniquity. He's talking about his stubbornnesses. You ever just give excuse and say, well, that's just the way our family is. You know, our last name is such and such, and it's our nationality, and we got a temper, and all of us do, and we got a short fuse, and we blame it on the country. 
our relatives were born in. We blame it on hair color. We blame it on... He says, he says, would you wash me thoroughly from my iniquity? He said, I've got some stubbornnesses. I'm stubborn. I'm rebellious. I've got some rebellion in me. Some, some ways I've excused. Watch out when I'm in this mood. It's just that David's confessing it. The different type sins he has committed. Then he says, and cleanse me from my Sin. The word sin means to miss the bullseye. Man, what a good shot. I, I like what uh, Peanuts cartoon had. It had, who's the star? Oh yeah, okay, Charlie Brown. He, he shot all these arrows into the fence and then took his marker and drew bullseyes around the, the arrows. <laughs> so God says, I got these goals. Missed it by a mile. So David says, I've missed obeying you by a mile. I've crossed some lines. I've been stubborn about some things. And I feel real dirty about it. He said, would you wash me? He said, Pastor, how do we get washed? It's this book right here. Wash me and I shall be clean. Uh, thy word. Uh, and he, 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 he goes on and on. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 3. We're hastening. For I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. What's he saying? He is saying, you saw it. You saw it. When our girls were young, they were afraid of, who knows? Monsters, Inc. hadn't even come out by then. But you know how it is if you've got kids. It's bedtime. Close the door. Good night. You forgot to kiss me. Okay, now you come in and kiss the kids. Now you're going out. You forgot to hug me. All right. Uh, trip number two. I'm thirsty. You know, about nine trips. And then it's, then it's I'm afraid. And I, I would just open the door and say, God is with you. We even put a little uh, sign in their bedroom. It was framed. It says, thou God seest me. And that's a quote from Hagar. In the book of Genesis. That helps us when we're fearful. Here's what else. It helps us when we're tempted. Thou God seest me. I wonder how we would behave. How much better if God would roll back the clouds. And we could see Jesus every time we walked outside. (laughs) I bet the church would be fuller. Well we're just going to mow the grass. It's Sunday. If they looked up and saw him, I thought, no, we're going to church. Somehow we feel he doesn't see us. You ever see a little child? They'll, they'll cover their eyes. You can't see me. And God says, yeah, I can see your heart. I can see your motives. I can see everything. Let's hasten here. David says, I have three desires. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. Look at verse 4. Against thee, the only have I sinned. Now, Look at the confession. He says, wash me. I've transgressed. I've got iniquities. He said, now he is saying the magic words. I have sinned. When we get to that point, we're starting to get right right there. 
He's not excusing. He's not renaming it. Hey, she shouldn't have been sunbathing. Hey, uh, 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 uh. No, no, he said, I have sinned. And then he says, and done this evil in thy sight. He said, what I did was evil. Do this. Paint your sins very dark. Paint other sins not as dark. Be hard on yourself, not so hard on others. He says, and done this evil in thy sight, you saw it, that thou mightest be justified, verse 4, when thou speakest. And be clear, when thou judgest. David said, Lord, I know you well enough. You're going to talk to me about this. We're going to have a talk. You're going to talk to me. And you're going to judge me. Judgment's coming. He knew the Lord well enough to know God is going to deal with this in his life. Never fret and say, well, so-and-so is getting away with something. No, if they're a child of God, they never get away with anything. Their father will handle business. You may not see it when he does. You may not see how he does it. You may not agree to the degree he does it, but he handles business. Look here, please. David, his desire is cleanse me. Cleanse me. Verse 6, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Here's what David is saying. He said, all right, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. You ever try to get the truth out of someone that wasn't going to tell you the truth? (laughs) It's like pulling teeth. Sometimes it's kids. Sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it's someone you're trying to help and they won't give you the story. They won't give you the whole story and they'll give you a little piece. David said, I'm going to be honest with you. Then he says here, verse 7, purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. That was like uh, a, 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 uh, sometimes you see these straw brooms on people's uh, steps, kind of these short brooms, and uh, they would dip it in water and they would cleanse things. Purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me. I shall be whiter than snow. David's first desire, cleanse me. I want to be clean. Second, quickly. His second desire is restore me. Restore me. He says, Lord, I don't feel close to you. You ever been to the place, maybe at a, a conference or maybe in your prayer time or your Bible time where you felt like, I just felt like I was so close to the Lord I could touch him. David says, I don't feel close to you at all. I just don't feel close. Why? His sin had come between him and the Lord. So now his second desire is restore me. Put me back where I used to be. Put me back. Verse number eight. Make me to hear joy and gladness. What's he saying? When you get restored, your attitude's starting to get better. Sin makes us negative. Sin makes us complain. Sin makes us have a negative attitude. He says, make me to hear joy. Let me hear some good news when people are speaking. Let me hear some gladness. Verse 9, he says, Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out all my transgressions. Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Now look at this one. And renew a right spirit within me. Bad attitude. And not just teenagers have bad attitudes. Baptists can have bad attitudes. Sin will affect our attitude. 
One of the greatest things that can ever be said about anybody is what an excellent spirit. What a good attitude they have. In flying, I think Brother Marvin, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, attitude deals with the nose of the plane that's going up or going down. Am I close? Okay, thanks for humoring me. Thanks for helping me look good. He's a pilot. And so the attitude is going up, going down. You have a good attitude, you're going up, bringing others with you. You got a bad attitude, you're bringing it down. David says, restore unto me a right spirit. I have a bad spirit. I just have a bad spirit. I'm not going to tell you who you can guess. Pastored in Reading for 40 years. I would never talk about him behind his back, but I don't know if he's facing me or his back's to me right now, wherever he is. But I remember getting, getting around Brother Johnson one time. I said, Brother Johnson, I'm just going to shoot straight with you as a, as a friend. You've got a bad attitude. He said, and I've worked hard at keeping that. <laughs> bad attitude. Let's keep going. He says, cast me not away from thy presence. I don't even feel like you're around anymore. Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I've lost my joy. I don't have any strength. I can't smile. I can't laugh. Uh, 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 things are heavy. Sin will always take that joy. So his three desires, cleanse me, restore me, and then his last desire starts in verse 13, use me. Use me. What's he saying? Verse 13, then if you'll cleanse me, if you'll make me feel clean, if you'll forgive these sins, if I can sense your forgiveness, if you'll give me my joy back, guess what I'll do? Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. He's saying, I'll win souls. He said, by the way, the reason to get thoroughly right is to be used. You don't buy a hammer and buy tools to hang up in the garage and say, look at these tools. No, they're made to be used. We're God's tools for reaching this lost world. Uh, let me just brag on Brother Eric Freeman over here. He's new in the church. Not everybody would even know his name, but you know him. Oh, we've been soul winning, uh, doing discipleship the last six or seven weeks. We've been soul winning four or five weeks. And he said, man, I got this friend. And man, I think he's close to being saved. Maybe he already got saved. He'd been working on his friend for about eight weeks, as long as he's been coming here. Guess whose friend came today to church? His friend. Guess whose friend said, I've accepted Christ and I want to get baptized. His friend, he got baptized today. That's worth getting all the sin out. It's worth having the sin out so you've got a smile on your face when you say, did you get one of these? Or I'm going to marriage counseling. You know, you, you have to get the sin out after you say that. And I'm just kidding with Brother Ron. Is maybe the reason we don't ever win any souls is because there's some sin in our life? Soul winning ought to come natural. There ought to be that joy. And we ought to constantly be talking about Jesus Christ. And is it, is it, is it maybe something stopping that? And then he says in verse 14, I love this. 
David says, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll use me, deliver me from blood guilty. Boy, that's a hard word. Oh God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing. David says, I stopped singing when the sin came in my heart. Sometimes people at church don't sing because they don't know the words. Sometimes visitors are here, and I get that. Sometimes teenagers won't sing loud because they're self-conscious, and I get that. Here's a guy six foot four, and he's just started to shave the week before, and his voice is changing. I love that man in the middle. You know, his voice is changing. So he may not sing out, but there ought to be a song in the heart. A song is always a sign someone is right with the Lord. We've seen it so many years going to teen camp. We get on the teen bus. I don't want to go to McDonald's. I want to stop at Winnie's. I hate Winnie's. I, I, I like Burger King. I don't even like this church. <laughs> you know, why are you going to camp? And, and fuss and feud. Don't touch my stuff. I don't know. Hey, uh, what are you looking at? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then on the way home, they're singing. What happened? Some hearts got right at camp. And some people got the sin out. So now they got some joy. And now, like we used to say, does the cat have your tongue? Does the devil have your tongue? Does sin have your tongue? When you get the sin out, you want to sing. Whether in private, in your car, at your house, in your room, as you're riding your bicycle, as you're jogging around the neighborhood, in church, there's a song. And then notice what he says here, and I'm done with this. Verse 15. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Guess what happens there? Now you're talking positive about some things God's doing. It's not all the negative talk. And I have to watch it all the time. I'm, I'm a news person. I don't watch it on television. I see it on my phone. I, I look at Fox News and this and that and catch all the headlines. But there's so much negative. You can't take in so much negative and it not come out. You know, I almost knock on the doors. Oh, uh, Brother Eric, it was you and I. We knocked on a door in Sassoon, and a woman opened the door. She said, are you a Republican or a Democrat? <laughs> I didn't even get to say we're from the church. And I said, well, we're Christian. Are you a Republican or a Democrat? I'm a Democrat. And she slammed the door on us. She'd been watching too much news. You've got to be careful. Some people, all they ever have is negative news. Did you hear? Did you hear the latest? And I understand we're going down, but we're about to go up. The nation may be going down, but we're about to go on up, and we need to grab as many people as we can and introduce them to Christ. But something happens when the sin comes out, you start praising. You start praising Him, you start praising them. You start praising people in your family. You got something good to say. And then I'm done with this. Notice, you said you already said that. All right, well, be patient. Have mercy, okay? Get the sin out of your own life. That's what I'm saying. Okay, Psalm 51, verse 17. Then David says, okay, here it is. The sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Okay, let's find out. 
Does anyone know what an abalone is? Abalone. Okay. Okay. And it's not, oh, yeah, 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 we had that last week. It's a brand of abalone. It's put out by Oscar Mayer. No, it's not. It's not baloney. An abalone is a, is a mollusk. It's like a huge clam. And they're off the California coast. I think some countries try to raise them. It takes years for those things to grow. And sometimes there's, they're, they're stuck to rocks. I went one time, Alabama, uh, abalone diving. And to put on this wetsuit, I was worn out by the time I got it on. We had to go out in these waves and the waves are coming up. And I'm supposed to dive under next to a rock. I've got this little pick. I'm supposed to stick it under the, the abalone and pry it off. And they said, now make sure you don't get your hand stuck under it because they'll suction it right there and you'll drown. I said, what? Yeah, I can say, now pastor drowned by abalone. And, and, and so you know, I'm trying to do that. So we got several of them that day, brought it back. The man showed me how to clean them. And the abalone reminded me of a big pencil eraser. That's about the texture of the abalone. It's like a pencil eraser. And he said, don't just cut it and cook it. You got to tenderize it. I said, do what? He said, you got to get a meat tenderizer. It's like a hammer. I didn't even have one. We didn't own a meat tenderizer. I got a real hammer. So I just put a cloth on it, beat it with a real hammer. And, you know, I figured that was tender enough. Cooked that, cut it. I never could swallow it because as I chewed it, I just kept chewing. It never got tender. Brother Shantigan, the pastor in Oakland, came to the married couples getaway this week. He had three couples from that church that you helped start. He came up to me. He said, he said man, we're just, just driving back. We were in Lancaster at Brother Chapel's leadership conference. Big 200 voice choir, guest speaker, thousands of people there. Here's what he said. I'm real tender right now. Tears came to his eyes. He said, I'm real tender. We've heard a lot of music, heard a lot of preaching. I'm real tender. Hmm. The Bible says it's not God's word like a hammer. You know what God does? As we draw close to him, he tenderizes our heart. So during the middle of church, we're not looking at our watch, yawning. When does this? We're tender. We're tender to people, new people. There's a new lady been coming. She's been here three Sundays in a row. I don't know if she's a widow. I don't know if her husband just passed. I don't know anything about her. Today I said, hey, third Sunday. She said, yep. I said, I'd like to meet with you, maybe hear your story. She said, I don't have time. Okay. But you know what? We need to be tender toward every guest. Every, everybody's got a story. Everyone's got a heartache. David said, here's how I got right with God. By the way, God used him after this. This was not the last chapter. This was in between God using him later. I don't know what you're dealing with. Let's get the sin out. Let's get close.
Get the praise back, the joy back, the soul winning back. That's what God wants.